0: There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness about the light, that all might believe in him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light, the light, the true light, which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. And he was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Lord, I thank you for this season to be able to gather together uh, in person and and even miles apart, God, as your spirit connects us, that we can just celebrate uh, this gift of your son to us. We just ask that you would open up your word, uh, open up our hearts also, God, that we uh, could just interact with your story uh, in a way that changes us, in a way that we can see uh, how you want us to go and live differently because of it. I just thank you for the privilege of being able to stand uh, up here and um, just open up your word to what you have for us, God. You are so good, and we worship you and you alone. Last week, we started into this uh, Luke series, and we were talking about John the Baptist, specifically about his parents, Zachariah and Elizabeth, and the story that would be unfolding uh, leading into his birth and and then looking at his birth as well. We're going to jump back backwards today uh, from where we ended last week because there was another story taking place amidst this story of the angel meeting Gabriel in the temple and then um, and then John the Baptist being born. And so I want us to jump to Luke chapter 1. If you're not there, uh, if you have your Bible or your smartphone, you can go there. It This will be up on the screen. So Luke chapter 1, and we're going to be in the middle, verse 26, it says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, same angel, was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And so here we have Luke again, and I just want to remind us, he is a physician, he's setting out to give a detailed account uh, so that uh, the reader uh, of which he addresses specifically in this chapter, but we don't really know much about that guy, and so we can relate in that, that this is written for us, that we can have certainty in the things that we have learned in the past and that we can... It to the story that he has compiled, and he's listened to plenty of firsthand witnesses and brought their accounts together, and this physician who's so detailed gives us all kinds of details even right here, uh, a timeline of when this was taking place, what was going on within the government and world events and locations and geography, and he talks specifically about this town of Nazareth. Now, Nazareth wasn't known for much small little town. In fact, it was looked down upon. It was said of this town. What good can possibly come from there? And, and and this is a lot like God. God likes to do this kind of thing. He kind of picks the most unlikely people in the most unlikely places to do some weird things that don't make any human sense at all. And I think that's all put together so that we can look back on it and go, Obviously, that was God at work because there's no way I would have chosen that place or that guy or that gal. In fact, as we get into Matthew, if you're reading Matthew, the first chapter in the genealogy of Jesus, you see all kinds of people like there in the lineage of Jesus. And this is how God works. He operates like this. And I was talking about Nazareth a number of years ago. We hadn't been here uh, but for a few years at that point in time. And so I was trying to describe it to my community group at that point in time. And I was like, Nazareth is kind of like, and I kind of like stopped mentally because I had a few places around here in mind. And I was like, Ooh, that's a bad idea, Right. Like, you can't just go throw Oregon cities under the bus like that when you're new here because you don't know who you're talking to. And so I related it to home in Colorado, and I said, uh, it's a lot like Pueblo, Colorado, because, I mean, that place was a dump. Nobody ever wanted to go to Pueblo. So we're, we're talking through this, and, and the host of that, uh, that was hosting our community group says, my whole family's from Pueblo. <laughs> and I said, so you know. Right, that's Nazareth. That's this place, this town that Jesus uh, was going to be from. And, and, uh, And so he's giving us these kinds of details, and he continues in verse 28. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. What, what a statement to be said uh, of a young lady. You have found favor in God, and her reaction is much like we see when angels interact with people. Zachariah had the same reaction. He was frightened. And, and I would think that Gabriel uh, uh, was getting pretty used to that kind of thing by now. You know, as to every time he shows up, people are fearful and afraid, which always makes me wonder. You know, I hear people like, I saw an angel, and it was so peaceful. And I'm like, well, all right. And whenever I see it in the Bible, they're like terrified and and cowering and covering their faces. And and Mary has a similar reaction, but I wonder, Gabriel, being do they have like angel training? Is there messenger training? Like, hey, when you show up, the people are going to be freaked out. Just know that. Okay? So you got to comfort them. Say, don't be afraid. Say, it's okay. Say, I come with a message. You know, I wonder if that's part of the training that they go through. Although some of them are like, if you're there to kill them, then probably don't say anything, you know, just get on with what you're there to do because that did happen on occasion. Uh, but, but it wasn't just that there was an angel in her presence. It was what the greeting entailed. That she was greatly troubled at the saying that she was chosen, that she was adored by God. And this was jarring to her and she didn't quite know what to do with that. We think about Zechariah who had a lifetime of service, faithful to God, year in and year out and we kind of look at it and go that's probably why he was chosen, but it wasn't Zechariah's goodness, it was God's goodness that he sent the Gabriel to send uh, sent the angel Gabriel with this message. And it seems like maybe Mary has a similar sense, "Why would you come to me?" Why me? And she was troubled at this saying, but we're reminded again that it was because of God's goodness, God's grace, that the angel Gabriel was sent to her because she had found favor because of who God was. And so we continue on, and she's, she has uh, humility because of this statement. And we see that verse 31 continues on with, and behold, You will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. This statement has so much packed into it. So many things that the angel says to her that I wonder, as as she had heard stories of of what Scripture had prophesied and talked about from her father, from her mother, and and the stories that had passed down, uh, that this statement of Gabriel would have triggered so many different thoughts and so many different things from the past that she had been waiting to hear about somebody else. Surely she never expected it to be about her and her child, but they were waiting for somebody that would fulfill all of these words. And there's a ton of times that the Bible talks about itself. Plenty of times in the Old Testament where the Bible is talking and it's referencing things that are going to happen in the future. Those are prophecies. There's plenty of times that Jesus is talking. A lot of what Jesus said is actually direct quotes from the Old Testament. So pointing back at the things that they're for others had said to them and taught them in the past, and and I came across accidentally this week, uh, this visual right here, I want you to take a a, a look at it, and this is a a cross-reference of uh, the Bible, and I brought my cat laser today, uh, so we can look at it a little bit more. And and as you look at this, and and you can look it up and Google it later, um, but uh, each of those lines underneath, the white and gray lines, are actually every chapter of scripture in the bible and the length of the line is the length of the chapter and so if you go uh uh-oh cat laser maybe it doesn't go that far Maybe it's not going to work. Is it right in the middle, I don't know if you can see it. There's a really long line right in the middle there. And that's Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible. So all the way on the, that side. The left is Genesis. All the way on the right, Revelation. And these lines are connections of when something is said and then referenced again later on in the Bible. And there's almost 64,000 times that the Bible is talking about itself. And we see here in these words of Gabriel that if you were to, if I had my laser working, you'd be able to look at uh, the book of Luke, which is about right here. Uh, I don't know if you're in line with me, if you're over there, you're off, but you can see Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they reference back about 20% of the way into the Old Testament, Isaiah and Jeremiah, as these things would be fulfilled as they are stated by Gabriel. Uh, right here. And so I want to take a look at a number of those this morning. The first is in this statement, you will will call him Jesus. Yeshua, Joshua, the deliverer or rescuer, a kinsman redeemer. Ruth chapter 4 talks about this, that one would be sent to redeem us and to buy us back and and to fulfill and make whole our lives. In Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14, It says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign, and behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. That God would be in our presence, walking and talking and relating to who we are. He was the only one that could that could walk alongside of us in order to fulfill this role of redemption to buy us back because of our own shortcomings and the way that we have failed by missing the mark with sin in our lives. And I think of, of different movies, and this is just the way my brain works, and I think of, of, of uh, Return of the King. Theoden leaves the crown of Rohan, and he sets his crown on the throne, and he dons his war helmet and sets on his war horse and goes into battle. And in this moment, what it's talking about is the Son of God laying down his crown on the throne of heaven so that he could come into battle. But instead of riding a horse, he arrives and lies next to a donkey. Don't worry, and spoiler alert, he comes back on a horse also but he's fighting this battle in such a way that he has to set aside his authority in order to fulfill the role that God has for him that they have come up with from the beginning of time. says that he will be called the Son of the Most High is another thing that Gabriel would say of him. In Psalm chapter 47, it says, For the Lord Most High is to be feared, a great king over all the earth that God has no equals, none can compare, none can bring him counsel and teach him something that he doesn't know, for he is king of kings of kings. Remember, we were talking about that a few weeks ago, and that this one would be called the son of the most high, a title that others would not be able to have. The Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. There's so many prophecies surrounding this and verses that talk to it in Psalm chapter 132 says the Lord swore to David a sure oath which he will not turn back on. One of the sons of your body I will set on your throne. And he wasn't simply talking about his human son Solomon. He was talking about the throne that would be established forever. And through this line, again, as you jump back to Matthew chapter 1 and read through that, seeing the lineage of David uh, leads then to Jesus. In Jeremiah chapter 23 says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord. When I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely, and this is the name by which he will be called, The Lord is Righteous. God always had a very detailed plan about how he was going to play this out. And and only as these things happened did we have full understanding of it. And Gabriel is giving another piece, that he will sit on the throne of his father David as it has been prophesied for hundreds and hundreds of years. And lastly, in this statement, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. Jacob, who uh, was one of their forefathers, would then wrestle with God and be renamed Israel. And he's saying that he will reign over the house of Jacob. He will reign over Israel for all time. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Daniel chapter 2. We looked at this a few months ago. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all the kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. The words of Daniel to Nebuchadnezzar about the dream that he had had pointing again to Jesus. You know where else this is referenced? Uh, just in a few spots, you can kind of pop them up here in Second Samuel, and Psalms a number of times, in Isaiah and in Jeremiah, in Daniel a number of different times, Obadiah, Micah, Matthew, John, Hebrews, Second Peter, Revelation, over and over. These verses talking about a kingdom that will be established, that will never fall and will never be overturned. And after these words from Gabriel... We pick it up in verse 34, and it says, And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? Now, I don't really know if you remember last week when Zechariah questioned Gabriel. Do you, do you recall this? Like, he asked him a question, and then Gabriel was like, Dude, I was sent from God. And then he made him mute and deaf for like the next ten months or something like that. Uh, well, that's what happened to Zechariah. Let's take a look at uh, how Mary fares. And the angel answered her. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and therefore the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. A a little bit different is the reaction. I came across a video actually this week, uh, well actually it was last week, it was about ten days ago, and I kind of filed it away for this, but uh, take a look. This is kind of how I feel about these two verses. Hey, (laughs) Zechariah. Don't be afraid, I'm from God. I just wanted to let you know that your wife is about to bear a son. A son? Awesome. How can how can that be? My wife and I are so about I'm Gabriel. I came from God. Oh, oh okay, yeah. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, but because you asked, you're not gonna be able to speak forth here you just please. I like that. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. That's a great question. He says uh, it seems though that Zechariah, with a lifelong priest and servant of God, was asking his question in disbelief. In essence, asking, "Can God do this? Can God do this?" And that's why Gabriel's response was that way. And yet Mary, a different reproach, and her question was a question of faith. In essence, asking, "How?" How will God do this? I believe in his ability. How will God do this? And so we continue on in verse 36. It says, And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is a sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it, to be, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. To show that God has already been up to other works, she says with Mary about what happened with Zachariah and Elizabeth, that God is already at work and other things preparing the way for her son to be born, and her response of "Let it be to me as you have said" reminds me of another, uh, of a bunch of other people that we've read about lately. Of Jeremiah saying, "If I will not mention him or speak anymore in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire shut up in my bones." I'm weary of holding it in, indeed I cannot, of Daniel who was faithful over and over again in the face of opposition when his life was on the line, of Esther who when going in to face a king said, if I perish, I perish, of Nehemiah who said, send me to the city of my father's graves that I may rebuild the wall, and I think of Isaiah who in his famous words would say, here I am, send me, and and, uh, we have Mary in a similar vein. I am your servant. I'm just here to do whatever I can in your plan to be a part of it. And it says that the angel then left her presence. In those days, Mary arose and went in haste to the hill country, to a town in Judah, and entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And so we see John the Baptist, who would be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from before birth, recognizing the baby child Jesus in in Mary's womb in this really weird kind of, of, of circumstance that, again, you look at and go, only God could be at work in something like that. And so we have this moment here, and, and, and I often teach later in the Gospels, and, and we look at like a verse where, where Peter, where Jesus is asking, who do people say that I am? And, and Peter answers, you are the, the, the Christ, the Son of God. And I've definitely said before that he was the first person to recognize uh, Jesus as Lord, when in fact, it's Elizabeth. Right here in these verses, before he's even born, that a person recognizes and states out loud who Jesus would be. And then comes something known as the Magnificat, the, 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 the poem or canticle of Mary, where she magnifies the name of the Lord. And it's important to really read in these verses how Mary is absolutely not talking about herself. But she is magnifying who God is, braising him up on high. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humblest state of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. Some people get hung up on that, but listen what she says next. Why? For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. She magnifies the name of the Lord and his actions, the things that he had done. We're going to do something we haven't done together in this setting in a number of months. A lot of our community groups have been taking communion. Maybe you've been taking communion in your own home. And so if you're home, I hope you have the elements ready. We're going to listen to a song, and any time during that, you're welcome to to take communion just as we we think about this and magnify his name. There's a thin plastic layer that peels back to reveal the cracker, and then another layer that's foil that will get the juice. But uh, as we prepare for that, I I just think of of this thing of holding a child. And uh, I didn't grow up around kids. I didn't have nieces, nephews around much. And so, like, when Ben, my son, was born, he was the first baby I held. And I held him, and it was terrifying right like i'm holding this being this living thing in my hand that that god has created through his mother and i and and he's now my responsibility and the weight of that moment now imagine for a second that you're holding that child and oh by the way it's the son of god who would dream that we, mankind, would have an opportunity to hold God? No pressure, right? The song that we're going to be listening to says, Who would have dreamed or ever foreseen that we could hold God in our hands? The giver of life hmm. is born in the night, revealing God's glorious plan. Uh, yeah, I was, I was even ready for this. But uh, what would Jesus, uh, Joseph have thought holding this fragile child completely reliant on his earthly parents to care for him, knowing that he also, this child, created the whole universe and handing him off to Mary, who would then hold him for the first time. Not totally understanding the whole story. You know, she, she knew that the Gabriel, the angel, had come to her, that she was willing to, to follow in the plan that God had. And as she's holding this child... She had no idea she would hold his dead body, too. That was what this was about. God loved us so much, they sent his son to die. And that's why we hold communion as so important, this remembrance of God's ultimate plan, of what he was putting together the whole time. The good news is Mary would be able to hold Jesus again as a resurrected Savior. But as we listen to this song, listen to the lyrics, this wondrous gift of heaven. The Father sends his Son, planned from time eternal, moved by holy love. He will carry the curse of death, and he'll reverse so that we can be called daughters and sons.